You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. All right. We have some announcements that we want to go over. We have some good things happening. Um, If you take a look in your bulletin, you will see that later this afternoon, we have our Surviving the Holidays seminar talked about it a little bit last week. Uh, It's a great resource to help people who are grieving or people who are uh, family members and love people who are grieving on how to be sensitive and approach the holidays with someone that's experiencing loss. Uh, There's still time to sign up for that if you haven't. You can email soulcare at scifarechristian.org to get registered for today's session or to get some more information. You'll also see a picture at the bottom that has a whole bunch of Christmas trees. We are getting ready to decorate the sanctuary for Christmas and we need to borrow a number of Christmas trees. If you have a tree that you could loan to the church for uh, the month of December, um, contact Kevin. He'll get you all the information you need on where to drop it off and how long we'll need it. But we would love to fill this place with some trees. And then finally, tomorrow is a pretty important day for our country. Tomorrow is Veterans Day. And it's the day that, yeah, that's right. It's the day we get to say thank you to the people who have given so much to us to protect our rights and freedoms. And we know that in our church family, we have a number of veterans. So if you're a veteran, would you please stand so that we can say thank you one more time? Thank you so much for uh, sacrificing so much for us. I want to read to you a scripture. It comes out of one of my favorite books of the Bible, out of the book of Philippians. Philippians 4, it's a book about joy in the midst of hardship, in the midst of difficulty. And Paul says at the end of that book in chapter 4, he says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now, let me ask you, if God has met all your needs, say amen. Amen. If God has blessed you, say amen. Amen. If God is good, say amen. 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 God has blessed us and he has provided for us in every single way. I want to talk to you a little bit about Cypher Christian Church and where we are today as, as church family, as my brothers and sisters in Christ. We've had, we had a great start of our year and, and found ourselves really just right on schedule with our giving and with our finances and everything was looking good until about the summertime. And then suddenly, if you've been paying attention to the bulletin, um, we fell behind, and we, we, got, uh, we had a bad month, and we knew it was coming out of the summer, and we knew that we were going into the fall, and so we didn't really make a big deal of it, because we thought everybody was kind of coming back into their schedules, and, uh, and our giving was going to kind of get back to where it was, and unfortunately, that didn't happen. That didn't happen, and we find ourselves right now at the, uh, at the end of October with a big deficit, 
a $63,000 deficit. Now that's, that's not just $63,000 under budget, that's $63,000 under expenses. And so at the end of the year, that's, that's where we will be. Now, um, for some of you who have, have been gone and uh, you've been out of town and you've been busy with work or whatever and, and you haven't uh, been able to attend church and you haven't been able to give, I want to just consider, I want you to consider maybe catching up, maybe catching up to where you were and, and help us uh, decrease this deficit. For some of you, um, you haven't been able to give for any number of reasons. But if your family is anything like my family, you're making plans for Christmas, right? Making plans for uh, the holidays and showering your, your friends and your family with, with gifts of, of love. And so what I want you to consider is adding Cypher Christian Church to that list. Maybe you've, made, maybe you've made a budget and you're starting to set some money aside. And what I want you to consider is setting Cypher Christian Church on that list and to give consistently throughout the end of the year, where you can, where God leads you to give. Um, But at the end of the day, I know that nothing that I'm gonna say, nothing that any of our leaders are gonna say, nothing that's in the bulletin is really gonna stir you to give unless God really stirs your heart. But what I know is this, I know that God is moving in this church. Do you guys believe that? Do you see God moving in our services? Do you see him moving in your life groups? Do you see him moving in all of these different areas? I see the Holy Spirit moving and stirring in our church. And what I want you to do is is maybe consider um, your giving to God, matching the faith that you have in God, matching the, the, the trust that you have in God. I don't know a lot, but I know that our God will supply all our needs according to the riches in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen? Amen. And, and you say, how do you know that? I know it because he says it. I know it because he says it in his word, and I know it because he provided for my yesterday. Did he provide for you yesterday? Did he provide for you the day before? And did he provide for you the day before that? And so there's nothing that tells us that he's not gonna provide for us tomorrow. If we can trust our eternity with him, then we can trust our tomorrow with him. I know you guys are a generous church. May our giving reflect the faith and the hope and the trust we have in God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your favor in our lives. And Lord, we know that you you have blessed us over abundantly in so many ways, not the least of which is our financial resources and the way that, that you provide for us financially on a, on a weekly, on a, on, a, on a daily, on a monthly basis. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And, and we ask that you would forgive us where we don't acknowledge your blessings in our lives. But, Lord, we look toward tomorrow, and I pray that we would be a people who rest our faith in the fact that you will meet and supply every single one of our needs. We thank you for Jesus, and we praise you as we give here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Good to see you guys today. Today, we're going to um, continue our journey in the book of Malachi. Uh, Who cares? And... um, 
that title can catch you off guard. It can, it can push you back. We've, we've looked at who cares about worship. We've looked about who cares about influence or leadership. Who cares about marriage? Today we're looking at who cares about justice. Who cares about justice? As we dive into our message today, as we dive into our message today, we need to remember those first verses of the book of Malachi. Malachi communicates with every one of us how much God loves us. How much God loves us. And I'm telling you, when we hear hard messages, when we hear challenging truths, we have to remind ourselves of God's love and God's grace and that he meets us where we are. He's honest with us. He doesn't soft pedal truth, but he challenges us to meet him. He challenges us us to change. I'm not going to have you raise your hands, but I figure all of us could use a little change in our life, right? All of us, if we listen closely, God's calling us closer in relationship to him. Why is he doing that? Because he is good. He is a good, good God. He's a good father. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Malachi. Malachi chapter three. Malachi chapter three. Well, actually, we'll back up a little and look at the last verse in chapter two. Um, we're looking at lots of scriptures today. Um, We're trying to paint a picture of what the uh, Israelites were feeling, uh, where they found themselves, why they were jaded, why they were angry, why they were bitter. So let's just ask God to speak to us now. Father, we thank you. Father, I thank you that you speak to me, that you show me my true self even when I do not want to look in the mirror, even when I don't want to hear the truth, even when I don't want to be told I'm wrong. Father, you speak to me because you love me because you've called me into relationship with yourself because I am your son. Father, I pray for your sons and daughters, your children in this place. And Father, I pray that we might hear your truth today. We know that Jesus came and lived on this earth and he was full of grace and truth. Father, may we hear truth in the context of grace today. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name, amen. Have you ever told someone, you are wearing me 
You ever told someone that? You know, if you would just picture that person in your mind, you are wearing me out. Now that expression can be used for many, many, many situations. It might be used for Christmas shopping. You know, you're going Christmas shopping. with You are wearing me out. It might be because someone talks too much, right? You are wearing me out, right? Or maybe someone has worn you down. Last nerve, you're wearing me out. Let's look at this passage. It's quite interesting, the two perspectives we're going to see today. Malachi says, you have wearied the Lord. You have wearied the Lord with your words. But you say, how have we wearied him? Here's how you've wearied him. By saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord and he delights in them. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? You see, the the people of Israel have been through a very hard time. Malachi is, is speaking to the people in one of the hardest times in Israel's history. Why is it one of the hardest times? Because it is late in their history as a people. You know, when things are going wrong when you're in your teens, that's one thing. When things are going wrong in your 20s or 30s, that's one thing. When things are going wrong in your 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s, that's kind of another thing, is it not? You kind of want life, the problems of life, the challenges of life to have kind of smoothed out. The people of Israel are crying out. For justice. Now I want you to think of that phrase, you are wearing me out. And even though you might never even consider using this, if I ask you, how is God wearing you out? What might you say? You know, you've prayed for something. You've prayed for it again and you've prayed for it again and you've prayed for it again and you've prayed for it again. Years, months, years have passed. You truly believe what you're praying is in God's will as far as you can tell from God's word. Maybe you're praying for physical health for someone, spiritual health for someone. Maybe you're praying that someone might come to know Christ. Maybe you're praying that someone would be free from addiction. You know, you come up with what you might be praying for. And yet the prayer has gone unanswered. Now, I could go on and on with my list, but I'll let you go on and on with it in your mind. 
I believe if you're a person of prayer, you've prayed for something in your life that hasn't come about. Now, let's just be honest. Some of the things we've prayed for in the past, we're thankful they've not come about, right? Because we were ignorant (laughs) and God showed us grace and didn't answer our prayer. But, you know, when we pray for someone to come to know Christ or when we pray for someone to be delivered from an addiction, when we pray for someone to mature in Christ or find a home as a follower of Jesus where they can put down roots and grow, I believe we would all say those prayers, if they were answered at any moment, there'd be nothing wrong with that. You see, the people of God, the people cry out injustice. They do. They actually say, if you look at these verses, um, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord and he delights in them. They're saying there's no difference. If we follow God or we don't follow God, it, it appears because what, us following God isn't resulting in anything positive. It appears that God actually likes the people that don't follow him. It appears that he likes people who do evil. And they go further. I mean, let's just think about what they're saying. Guys, it's not that they're asking where the location of God is. They're actually calling him out. Where is the God of justice? Is he absent without leave? Is he AWOL? Has he forgot about us? Does he care? I've already said I'm going to read several verses. So I think if you'd relax, if you want to jot down the verses, jot them down, right? But just relax. Because we're about to launch. Haggai chapter 2. Haggai chapter 2. Verse 6. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land and I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Well, they're not experiencing that. They're poor, poor, poor. They are still a captive people. They have been under the hand of the Persian Empire for about 150 years. The temple has been built for 50 years, but they do not see God's glory or God's presence in their temple. They feel abandoned. And Haggai's not the only prophet that that prophesied something similar to this. Nehemiah 5, Nehemiah 5, verses 4 and 5. Again, this poverty picture. And there were those who said, we have borrowed money for the king's tax 
tracks on our fields and vineyards. Now, this is not the king of Judah or the king of Israel. Again, this is a foreign king. We have borrowed money for the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards. Now our flesh is as their flesh of our brothers, is as the flesh of our brothers. Our children are as their children. They own us. Does that make sense? They've had to get money for their land, get loans to pay taxes. It gets worse. Yet we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but it is not in our power to help it. Powerless. Now I will tell you that when we were talking about these unanswered prayers earlier, you know, one of the greatest lessons in life is we can't control everything. It really is. It's one of the hardest lessons of life. But often we are powerless. It's a great thing to acknowledge, quite honestly, as painful as it might be. And some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but it is not in our power to help it for other men have our fields and our vineyards. We cannot buy them back. The people cry, injustice, injustice. Other prophets have said injustice. They've asked God questions. They've questioned his injustice. They've questioned his closeness. But you see, they did not do it with the arrogance of the people in the book of Malachi. Tone means everything, does it not? Please, please, would you help me? Could you help me? Would you help me? Would you just help me? Now that wasn't a good sarcasm, but I tried. (laughs) Anger and in great need. You see, other prophets have pleaded for justice have said there's injustice and often they're what? They've pleaded, but not these people. They're saying God's AWOL. They're saying God loves evil people and not good people. And they're wrong. The facts aren't exactly wrong about injustice, but their heart is wrong. Because God loves us during the most difficult times in life. He's with us even when our prayers go unanswered. He doesn't abandon us. His glory, his presence is very real. Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Say that with me. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Say it again. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. You see, when we hope for something, when we long for something, 
Often the most painful thing is when we long for something for someone else. When hope is deferred, our heart often gets sick. Now these people's sickness has gone um, beyond sick and sad and down and lonely. No, they're angry and bitter. And if we're honest, we can get angry as well. But that's the beauty of this passage. God meets us in the midst of it. Now you're going to hear hellfire and brimstone in a moment. But I'm telling you, God is calling his people to change. Second, the Lord cries out. Injustice. The people cry out, the Lord cries out. Look at Malachi, if you have that one chapter open, and look at verse 3-1. Behold, that's a word of urgency, by the way, and it's used twice in this verse. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. He's coming. Listen to this verse, it's beautiful. Isaiah 40, three through five. Now, the one, the messenger, most would agree that the messenger spoken of is not Elijah that is spoken of later. Jesus identifies that Elijah as John the Baptist. That's right. So this is a forward-looking passage to the Messiah who is coming. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. That's what the messenger did. He went before the king. He made sure the roads were in good shape. He prepared the people to welcome the king. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. God's presence is going to be revealed. God is with his people. Isaiah says, it is happening. You know, the people in Malachi's day didn't identify with Emmanuel, God with us. They identified with Ichabod. Anyone know a kid named Ichabod? Probably not. It means the glory of the Lord has departed. God has left us. You know, sometimes we feel Ichabod. But make no doubt, 
as a follower of Jesus Christ, God is with you. Emmanuel, God with us. Malachi 3, we're going to jump down because we're coming back to the middle. Malachi 3, 5 through 6. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely. We could just walk through them quickly, all of them. Sorcerers have committed spiritual adultery. Adulterers have committed physical adultery. Is there forgiveness for all sin? Is there? Yes. God is saying judgment is coming, repent. David was a man after God's own heart. He was an adulterer against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner. Now those are justice words. All of those people are poor. All of those people have not arrived in society. You see, God is a helper to the helpless and a father to the fatherless. And again and again and again, we hear God taking up the cause of the oppressed, the hired worker who's been cheated out of his wages, um, the widow and the fatherless, and those thrust aside. And I will judge those who do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. How many of y'all have seen a, a courthouse um, with the lady justice is what I'm going to call her on the top, right? Describe her to me. Blindfolded. Who said that? Scales. What type of scales? Balanced scales. And so what's being said here is that justice is rendered equally. You don't look out here and say, okay, justice for this person, it's going to be a little weighted here or a little weighted there. And you know, you might not like what I'm about to say, but you search the Old Testament and see if I'm not accurate. You see, Jewish justice, Hebrew justice was different from Roman justice because Jewish justice believed that the poor, the oppressed, the widower, the sojourner, the low, low worker were taken advantage of and they could never get equal justice. And so you imagine a picture of a prophet with a scale in his hand and his finger is on the scale and tips it in favor of the oppressed, the helpless, the fatherless. A widow in that society was without hope unless someone came alongside her. All people are equal in God's sight. Yes, they are. 
But some people need more help than others. And God is a helper to the helpless and a father to the fatherless. And that's a beautiful, beautiful picture. And so when we look at oppressed people, if we have God's heart, if we see through God's eyes, our hearts should be stirred for people in need. No better time of the year to reach out and help people in need. Thanksgiving, Christmas, and of course all year long. God cries out injustice. Here's the beauty though. The Lord of hosts draws near. He doesn't stiff arm you. It's in the middle of the passage. I've looked at the beginning. I've looked at the arm. God does not do this. Sinner, boom. No, he draws near. And he turns up the heat. In fact, it's a little hot in here today. I mean, this is unbelievable. Donna's running the thermostat. My word. Or Paige, one or the other. All right. Look at verse two. Malachi three, verse two. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? Who? No one. Who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Were these priests bringing offerings in righteousness? What did Kevin teach the first week? Were they? They were bringing their junk. They were bringing their leftovers. They were bringing their calls and cripples. But you see, God is going to refine them. And they're going to once again bring their best. So if you would, there's a crucible here. There's a heat, heat fire underneath. There's molten metal, silver and gold. You see, if this Metal is not heated up and the impurity surface, the draw surfaces, it's not useful. It cannot be worked. And so God hovers over our lives and the heat is turned up and the impurities rise. And the gold and silver become so pure that he sees his reflection in it. And then it perfectly reflects his glory. 
Anyone have a burn on their hand right now? I have a scar from where I burned my hand a few weeks ago. I have a scar on my calf where I got my calf too close to a muffler when I was a teenager riding an enduro motorcycle. Anyone have a scar? Come on. Anyone? All right. Fire doesn't feel good, does it? There's more to this passage, but I want to read some verses on purification for a moment. First Peter. First Peter. Verse six and seven. One, verse six and seven. In this you rejoice. Rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. You see, it's okay not to be happy about trials, but it's strange. You're rejoicing even though you've been grieved by trials. That's the strangest sentence I've ever read. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God longs for you to shine for his glory. James 1, James says it a little differently, but but actually similar similar language. Verse 2, chapter 1, count it all joy, joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Second Corinthians. Now, if you don't like fire, all right, maybe you'll like a thorn. Anyone like thorns? I hate thorns. I'm one of those needle guys. I'll just work and I'm gonna get that thorn out one way or another. I might have a quarter inch hole in my hand, but that little bitty thorn's gone, Right? Nothing worse than a thorn in your finger that you keep hitting and it annoys you or a thorn in your foot, the bottom of your foot. I can't see it. I'm getting too old, right? Listen to what Paul says. The blessing of a thorn. So too, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord. He's praying, right? His prayers aren't answers. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this and it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly. Now there's that that joy again in relationship to difficulty. 
Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ might rest upon me. The Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven's armies draws near. He is not abandoning you in your struggle. He's drawing near to you in your struggle. Just like uh, this refiner leaning over, drawing in to the crucible. Dale, I sure don't feel like he's with me. Well, don't trust your feelings, trust God's word. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Isaiah 118 is another prophetic passage. It's a passage we know well. I just want to say again, burns, fire, hurts. Thorns hurt. But you see, the passage doesn't leave us just with fire. It talks about soap in this passage. I, I guess I should go ahead and read that if I'm, if I'm going to do justice to it. A refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. What's fuller's soap? It's soap with lye in it. Now, lye will take your skin off if it is not made properly. Everyone thinks lye soap's terrible. No, soap can have lye in it and not harm you at all if it's done right. So lye is taken from ashes of plants in some woods. And so a fuller soap, fire purifies, soap removes the stain. I'm telling you, my mom was awesome. She would come up with concoctions of all kind of chemicals. And she would, you could have the filthiest tennis shoes. Yes, my mom spoiled us. And our shoes would look brand new when my mom finished with them. You know, if we're not careful, we carry stains and all we see is stains because of our failures. But look at this passage in Isaiah. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. The question of this whole message is will you draw near? The people cry injustice, God cries injustice, God wins. God draws near and his whole reason to draw near is so that we might acknowledge him and draw near to him. Come now, let us reason. That means pull in, doesn't it? Pull in. Less reason, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as wool. Though they, excuse me, yeah, snow. Sorry. I like white snow, don't you? 
Someone said, no, this is good snow right here. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. I'm going to ask those serving communion to come forward at this time. And I want you to think about this scarlet. I want you to think about this crimson. I want you to think about the worst stain to get out. And as you come and celebrate communion, if you're a follower of Jesus today, would you celebrate that you're free from any and every stain? You've been washed with the blood of Christ. You are white as snow. Come now, let us reason, says the Lord. You see, the one that we're told was coming came, and he didn't rule and reign the way Israel thought he'd rule and reign. He did win a battle, though over sin and death, and he did it by giving his life for you and me. Here at Cypher Christian Church, you will receive a piece of bread. You'll be given a piece of bread and representing the body of Christ, and you will dip the bread in the cup which represents the blood of Christ. God demonstrated his love to us and that while we were rebellious sinners, Christ gave his life. He died for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity to celebrate life through Jesus. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to celebrate grace and truth. Father, you you love us too much to lie to us. You tell us the truth even when it's uncomfortable. Father, you tell us, come, let us reason. Your sins can be washed and made white as snow. Father, may we come to you. May we confess our sins. May this simple act of communion be our confession of Jesus and the grace that is ours through faith in him. We celebrate now in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, there's another day in time that someone could have cried out injustice. It was the day Jesus Christ hung on a cross. The one who had never sinned, never done anything wrong. Help the helpless, help the hurting, challenge the rich and poor alike came to give life 
life more abundantly. But you see, what happened that day was not injustice, but justice. He who knew no sin had never sinned, became sin. So we, through him, by trusting in him and his death, might be clothed in the righteousness of God. I'm here to tell you, God is in this place. God is with us. If you feel alone, if you feel you fell too many times, or maybe simply you don't feel God's heard your prayers? Would you just acknowledge to him right now, Father, I believe you're with me. I believe you sent your son full of grace and truth. And I believe he's here today. Our prayer partners are in the back and they're up front. Or maybe you just reach over to a friend and you pray right where you are and say, God is here and he is with me.